Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We have a guest speaker with us, and we hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. This morning, uh, we have a guest speaker with us, and he is no stranger. He and his wife are no stranger to our uh, our church. It is uh, Ricky and Carol Hendon. They are missionaries to Peru, and uh, Ricky was one of the first missionaries when I uh, came here that we had, and Ricky told us about a dream that he had in Peru, especially reaching the unreached people groups in and around the Amazon basin, and uh, you know, we we started supporting Ricky on a monthly basis, and Ricky gave an invitation uh, to us to bring a team. And uh, but what, but one thing I just want to say this morning to all of our Faith Promise partners, and you give so faithfully to missions. This morning is going to be part of your payback for your investment, okay? Because you're going to hear not only what he did, you're going to hear, you know, about how God has used him and, and the work that's being done, you know, being done in Peru. Uh, so if you're a faith promise you give to missions, today's your day to kind of go, hey, get a little payback. He, he issued an invitation for us to bring a construction team, and we, we did. We took a team in 2016. We took a, a construction team down there. We built a church uh, in, uh, uh, in Belene, uh, Belene Temple. I think that was, the, uh, you know, that was the name of it, and I had a chance to see firsthand the impact that uh, that Ricky's having on that area, and it was our honor to be able to go do that. That's how we went to work every morning. You ride in style in Peru, okay? That was our that was our transportation every morning, uh, and and we came back and said, you know, man, Ricky's just getting started down there. Boy, if he just had a man, if he had a team down there, boy, he would just do it. And uh, Ricky's son Caleb felt the call to go to Uramaguas, and we support them. And uh, Mark and Stephanie Sasser, Witt's son, felt a call to go work with children in Uramaguas. And we sponsored them. This morning, I just want you to know, we are heavily invested in every way in the work that goes into Uramaguas and, and, in, and in Peru. Uh, this summer, we have a team of 27 that's going to Uramaguas with Ricky. If you're part of that team, would you please stand? If you're part of that summer team, we got some out this morning, but would you stand? That's right. That's great. That's great. Also, if you were part of that construction team and you're here, would you please stand? If you're part of that construction team that went with us, yeah. We had a great time. We, we had a great time. Um, so we're, we've got another team that's headed there uh, uh, in a few months, so we're excited. We're excited about that. We want to say, too, that if you come from a Hispanic or Latino kind of background, we want you to know that your people and your land is important to us, okay? Uh, Central America, South America. Our goal is to fill heaven with as many Spanish-speaking people as we can, and that's reflected in our, in our missionary giving. So Ricky's going to come in just a moment. At the end of the service, uh, we're going to take an offering for him because you may go, why is Ricky home? Shouldn't he be in Peru? And, you know, from time to time, every four or five years, missionaries come home and they raise their budget to go back. And this will be Ricky's fourth term, about fourth term. So they've been there 15 years on the mission field and you come home and you raise your budget and you go back. And uh, so at the end of the service, we're going to take an offering for Ricky. So just let God speak to your heart through check, or you can give online however you want to want to do that. But we want to open our pulpit and our heart uh, to our friends and our partners in Peru. Would you give another hero's welcome this morning to Ricky and Carol Hendon? Amen. Pastor Brian, guys, we are excited to be here with you this morning. It's been a, what, five years? Wow. It's good to see some old faces, and when I say old faces, I mean old faces. <clears throat> but uh, it's good to be here this morning with you guys. Um, 
we're excited about what God is, is doing in Peru and what God's doing here in, in Generations Church. I bring you greetings from Pastor Raul at uh, Bailing Temple, uh, the church that you guys built over four years ago, and uh, God is God is filling that church up. Um, we're excited because that church is on kilometer 26, which is the same area where our camp is. So God is going to kind of tie that church into our campground, and and uh, we're excited about that. Um, and we're also, um, like Pastor said, you guys are coming back this summer. You know, we, we're excited to have repeat customers. You know, you guys are coming back, and, and, you know, I thought we worked you pretty hard the first time, but, um, you know, we're going to try it again in uh, this summer, and we're excited about the ones that are coming. And for the ones of you who have never been to Udimaguas, it's a beautiful place. We have a new mayor now, and he's kind of cleaned up the city. So we're excited about that. And plus, in June, I think it's warm weather. <coughs> so... Anyway, we're excited about that. Um, again, Pastor, thank you for partnering with our team, uh, our son and the Sassers. We have five families there now that God has sent to work in Unimaguas and four singles to reach um, the people of Peru and the jungles of Peru. We also um, do an internship. You know, some of you high schoolers or not high schoolers, but out of high school, college-age kids, that, uh, if you guys want to uh, give a summer and pray about a lifetime, we'd love to talk to you about that. Um, there's nothing wrong with you know, giving up our, our summers for, for Jesus. Amen. Mm, come on. Um, thank you guys for helping us fulfill the great commission. <laughs> we all know about the great commission, right? Okay. I'm just checking. Cause some of you didn't say anything. That was your chance to say amen. But, uh, if you guys will help me, we'll get done today. If not, we'll be here at three or four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I have a lot of stories. I could just keep sharing stories, but when we talk about the great commission, you know, the, the Bible says, go and make believers. Right? Mm, somebody don't need to read that again. <laughs> it says, go and make what? Disciples. Go and make disciples. You see, believers, and I don't mean to say this in, in a negative way, and I don't want you to take it in a negative way, but it's, it's easier to make believers. Come on, somebody. We're all believers, right? <laughs> we all believe in something. When we talk about uh, Christianity, a believer is someone who has... Uh, uh, a religious faith, you know, believes in something. Uh, the Bible says the demons believe and tremble. But now when you talk about a disciple, a disciple is, is something that is, is hard to make because a disciple is like the mirrored image of the master, a follower of Jesus Christ. How many followers of Jesus do we have in the house today? Amen. You know what? I, I'm, I'm on my way. <laughs> Still got a lot of work to do, but I'm on my way. I want to be like Jesus. Amen? That's my goal is to be like him and to be able to, to teach people and train people to be more like him. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Do we have a video? How many of you guys would like to see a video? It's a short video. Don't go to sleep, okay? We're not selling popcorn or drinks, but we want you guys to watch this video and just kind of tell us a little bit about what we're doing there in Udimagos before I get started. Ricky and Carol Hendon are missionaries in Yurimaguas, a town located in the jungles of Peru. They arrived in Peru five years ago after working as missionaries in Ecuador. They felt God calling them to Peru and that he promised to send them a team. Now, there are eight missionary families working in Yurimaguas known as Team Wajaga. Yurimaguas is the last town on the road that leads to the Wajaga River. Team Waijaga's main focus is to reach the indigenous communities located along the rivers of the jungle. They use compassion ministries such as water filters and building wells to gain access to the communities. They also work to disciple and raise up leaders to help begin churches in the communities and eventually help to build churches. In just five years, Team Waijaga has built 16 churches. They have also begun construction on a new training center and new campgrounds. The training center is strategically located 13 hours upriver to help the people and leadership of the churches and communities to have easier access for training and ministry events. The campgrounds, located 30 minutes outside of Yurimaguas, will be used for kids and youth ministry and a variety of church events. Team Waijaga also works with local churches in Yurimaguas. Each team member attends a different church and works hard to help its members and leadership. 
Team Waijaga also organizes many different kids' events around Yurimaguas. Each year, they also put together a women's conference with crafts, food, and a special service just for women. Team Waijaga also preaches about missions in different churches each month to help Peruvian missionaries. Please keep Team Waijaga in your prayers and all the work that they are doing. If you feel led to be a part of what Team Waijaga is doing, contact Ricky and Carol Hendon. Together, we can reach the unreachable in the jungles of Peru. Amen. <laughs> I want to tell you how we're doing that uh, in the jungles of Peru. Um, a couple of the ways that we, uh, several ways that we're doing that, and we feel it's important to share with you this morning so that you can see your investment. Amen. We believe in that, so we want you to know what we're doing. Um, one thing that God has laid upon our heart and, and something that we feel like we're pretty good at is church uh, planting and church building, construction. I, I love construction. I love doing things with my hands. You see, before I was a missionary, some of you know that we built fire trucks. And so I love working with my hands, and God has allowed us to be able to, to build those churches uh, out of steel. We do a steel structure like a prefab building in Carried Up River and uh, erect those things in those communities. And uh, I love the scripture, Romans 15, 20 and 21. Uh, we borrow this from Paul, and it says, My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Amen, somebody? Rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken in the scripture where it says, Those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard about him will understand. So God has been good to Peru. God has been good to us. And from the first church in Bailing Temple that you guys built over four years ago until over 16 churches now, God has been good. Amen? The help with, with teams. And most of those churches have been in Kandoshi territory. Kandoshi, the Kandoshi tribe is a, an indigenous tribe who live up, up river from us. In the, off the Wajaga, you have to go up to the, the, uh, the Pastasa River in, in that area. But there's tribes that are untouched. There's tribes that have never been reached with the gospel. Now, the reason they're unreached is not because they're unreachable. It's because they're hard to get to. There's sometimes when we travel to some of these communities to build a church, it takes us four days to get there. And, you know, a lot of people's not willing to invest that kind of time in, into, a, uh, into a, uh, a church building project or a people group. But you know what? God has called us to do that. And uh, we love it. I want to tell you about one church. We're, we're talking about planting churches and, and building churches. Uh, a couple of a couple of years ago, maybe 2018, I think it was, uh, we did an exploratory trip. Now, an exploratory trip, we get in the boat and we travel for maybe 10 days, 15 days, and we're just traveling around from community to community. And we're, you know, a lot of times we're we're invited in by a local or. Uh, we'll pull up to the bank there to, to a village and, and kind of sit in the boat and, the, and one of our locals will get out of the boat and kind of walk around until we get an invitation. You, we usually stay in the boat because we found out that you don't just get out and start walking through somebody's yard. Come on, somebody. These people are like people in Florida. You know, they, they, might, they might spear you or something if you, if you get out there and walk around the yard. So we, we kind of hang back and wait on an invitation. And once we get that invitation, we go in. I met a man named Arushpa. Arushpa is in a community called Charapacochi, and it's a Kandoshi village, and this guy has long hair. I wish I, could, I had a picture. I do have a picture on my phone if you'd like to see it, but he has long hair, you know, and he, and he looks like um, a Kandoshi Indian. And we're talking to uh, Arushpa, and Arushpa tells me, he says, you know, when I was about 15 years old, he said, I heard that they were looking for some people to do some translation. Now, my mother taught us how to read and write, so he could read and write, and he thought, I could go and make money doing some translating some documents or something they learned about. So Arushpa talked his cousin into going to Moyabamba, which is six hours on the other side of Yudimaguas, and it took them days to get there. But Arushpa and his cousin shows up at this place and, and goes in and says, hey, we're here to help you translate in the, in the Kandoshi language. And come to find out, the group that needed the translators was uh, Waycliffe, and they were translating the Bible. <laughs> So Arushpa, like, he didn't care. He just wanted the money. You know, he thought, I can buy me a shotgun. I can buy a chainsaw to build me a house. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. So during this time, Arushpa gets saved. You know, he's translating the Bible, and he, he gets saved. And, and Arushpa says, you know, I feel like I need to take this back and teach the, the people in my village, you know, about what I've learned. So he's got this desire to go back, and he says, you know, he, he hears every Sunday about the people in that group saying, you know, we need to go to church. We've got to go to this church, and we're going over here, and 
He says, you know, we need one of those church places. We need a place to, that all our people can come to and hear me talk about what I've learned. Amen? So Arushba goes back and, and he talks to the people there at, at, uh, at the Waycliff place. And they said, yeah, I think we could send somebody to build you a church. So Arushba, he's all excited. You know, he tries to tell them where his village is and he's trying to draw them a map. You know, you come off the Pastasa and you go up these uh, small contributaries and, and get to his village of Charapacoche. Uh, um, he said, all you got to do is ask for me. I'll be there. So he goes back to his village and he, and he waits. And he waits. He waits. And in 19, or in, this was in 1979, early 80s, when he did this translation. Now, I met Arushpa in 2018, I think. And guess what? He was still waiting. <laughs> still waiting. Now, he hadn't lost hope. He was, dis- he was discouraged, of course, but... He hadn't lost hope. He said, you know what? I know God's going to send somebody to help me build this church. After hearing his story, I I was compelled. (laughs) He had me. I was going to build him a church. So a team from from Bonifay, uh, Pastor Jerry Moore, and and brought a group down and went out to um, Charapacoche and built Arushpa, a church. And Arushpa said, you know, during those translation times, he said, I remember reading stories about the promises of God. And he said, you know, like in in Abraham, he said, God promised Abraham a son, but it didn't happen right away. (laughs) It took a while. He said, but Abraham never gave up hope. He said, I held on to those promises because I knew if God was in it, he was going to send somebody. Now, Arushba has an Assembly of God church. And the good thing about having an Assembly of God church, we get to dictate the material that they get to preach somebody. I don't know if y'all understand that, but Arushba is, is, is a man of God. He is a spiritual leader of his village, and, you know, he gets to teach people about the Word of God. Also, I want to share another story, if you don't mind. Y'all like stories? Okay, I'm going to share another story with you. Um, we had a team from Pennsylvania come down, and these guys were uh, almost worked me to death. They worked me like a barred mule. We were out there, and uh, they wanted to go out for 15 days. So we built two churches and a kitchen uh, while we were out. But the second village we are in called uh, Ch- um, Chambira, we're in this village, and, and we're finishing up the church. You know, we're, this is the second church on this trip, and I'm, I mean, I am give smooth out. I'm tired, you know. So we, we go to bed early that night, and we're all sleeping in, in cots and mosquito nets, and, and about 2.30 in the morning, we have an earthquake. And this earthquake was an 8.0. I don't know if you guys remember, just, just not too far, not too long ago. How long has it been? A year ago, maybe? Six months, eight months? We have this 8.0 earthquake. Now, when it, when, this is not the first one we've been in, but uh, for a lot of those guys, it was their first one. And it was the first one that had been felt that far out in the jungle. So this thing shakes for, for two minutes and 15 seconds. I'm talking about shaking the earth. Now, one of the guys, I'm trying to wake him up, and he, when he finally wakes up, he says, man, I'm sorry. He said, I felt like I thought I was dreaming, and there was a flock of birds that landed on top of this hut, and it was shaking the hut. And I was going, go away, go away. And he was telling me to go away, go away. But finally got everybody out. And we're standing outside and, you know, the ground's moving and, and shaking. And, uh, and once it stopped, we all go back to bed. Well, my wife is back in Udimagos by herself. And, uh, of course, they get it uh, probably worse than we do. And I have a sat phone that we carry with us. And, of course, at that time of the morning, I didn't even think about calling. I know it's a bad, you know, we've only been married 30, 32 years. <clears throat> but, uh, you know... I didn't, I didn't think about calling. I was so tired. So I just go back in and go back to bed. And the next day, the next morning, about 8 o'clock, I call her. And she's like, every wife of every man on that team has called me and keeps calling me. I want to know where you guys are at and how, how it's going, if you guys are okay. So long story short, we get back to the, you know, in the village that morning. We're, we're getting ready to leave. And, and we're going to dedicate the church before we leave. And so I'm in there. You know, I've got my, my notes you know, my, my church dedication, talking about the, you know, Solomon's temple. And then I talk a little bit about how, how Jesus had to come and clean the temple because sometimes uh, we use God's house for other things than, than what God wants us to use it for. So I had to talk to him about that. And, and all of a sudden, I felt in my spirit, God said, talk to him about me coming back. And I'm like, you know, we need to hurry up and get out of here. I mean, we got, we got to get back down the river to, the other, to another village and build a, a kitchen. And uh, I really felt impressed. God said, you know, talk about me coming back and about the, the earthquake we had last night. So 
So I begin to talk about, you know, the, the signs of the time in, in uh, Matthew chapter 24. And, of course, they never heard about wars, you know. They, 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 they fight amongst themselves, kind of like uh, husband and wives. But they, uh, they've never heard about, you know, World War I or World War II. And so I'm telling them a little bit about wars and rumors of wars and how it, even now there's, there's, you know, countries talking about attacking other countries and, and about uh, the different things in, 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 in Matthew chapter 24. And then it talked about earthquakes in different places. And I told him, I said, you know, what we had last night was an earthquake, and you've never felt one here. And, that, you know, that's the sign of the time. That's a sign that Jesus is coming back. When you see these things intensify, when you see these things happening, know that he's coming back. And there was an old man, the patriarch of the, of the community, a 72-year-old man sitting there. And when I gave uh, the altar call, a lot of people responded, but he responded. And he came down the front and he says, you know what? I've never heard this. I've never heard that Jesus, I've heard that, that Jesus was a saint. I've heard that he was a good man. He was a prophet. But I've never heard that he was the king of kings and he's coming back for me. <laughs> and he said, when you said that those things happened, and I felt those things happen, and those things are in that book and they're real, he said, I want to be ready when he comes. Now this man, not only did he, he get saved, this man is 72 years old. He had 10 daughters. This man had 80 grandkids. <laughs> now, he's the patriarch of this, this, this community. Now, if you don't think he's going to tell his 80 grandkids about Jesus, you're wrong. <laughs> because their whole, their whole culture is story. So this man is going to be, be telling people that, hey, you remember when we had that earthquake? That's a sign that Jesus is coming back. Come on, somebody. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is coming back. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, a jungle church, um, you know, if, if some of you guys would like to come down and, and wait out in the jungle with us, a jungle church uh, cost us between seventy-five dollars and $10,000, $7,500 to $10,000. Uh, consider building one of those churches in one of those communities. We have a lot of communities that don't have a church, and uh, we feel that it's up to us to make sure that they do have one. Carol and I decided when we, when we first arrived at Udimaguas that we would continue to preach about missions, to talk about missions and the Great Commission and, and uh, the things that, you know, we talk about on our itineration, about how we all need to fulfill the Great Commission. Well, we wanted to continue that with our local churches there. And uh, so when we got there, you know, we, we'd go around to different parts of the, the country there and around Udimaguas and, and the different churches and, and uh, start preaching about missions. Well, when God sent us a team, um, Mark and Stephanie and and Caleb and Brittany, and we have a couple of more different families, one of the requirements of our team is that you have to go to a different church once uh, the first Sunday of every month and preach on missions. Do a mission service. Now, some of them were kind of, you know, intimidated because it's all in Spanish. You know, it's their, their first term, and it's kind of hard. But the reason we did that, and we said, look, you've got to take up a, a missions offering. Now, you think, okay, what do you guys need with a, with a missions offering? Why are you taking money from the local church? Well, here's the good news. We take that money, that offering that, that we raise that, during that service, and we support five Peruvian missionaries. I'm sorry. We, we, we support five Peruvian missionaries that are going to other countries. Not local missionaries, but we have five missionaries that are, that are working in India, Afghanistan, and Egypt. So now the local churches have been praying all this time, Lord, send missionaries, send laborers in the harvest field, God. Send missionaries to us. And he has. He's answered that prayer. We're, we're, we're an answer to that prayer. But we also believe that there's, it's, not just, it's not just our part here in the United States to send missionaries. It, it's for every believer. It's for every disciple to be a part of the Great Commission. And you say, well, they don't have much to give. No, they don't. But it's not about equal giving, church. It's equal sacrifice. So here's these people who are giving to missions now. Not only do they receive missions, but they're also sending missionaries around the world. So we're excited about that, what, what God is doing uh, in Udimagos and our churches. When we arrived in 2015, there were nine churches in our region. Nine churches and eight preaching points um, when we arrived. And now, you know, we're reaping what we're sowing you, you guys have invested in us, and we're, we're sharing the gospel with these churches and these pastors. We've grown. Um, just the other day, we, 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 they're trying to become their own region because we're a sub-region under a different um, Iquitos. You guys know anything about Peru? Iquitos is a, a city in the jungle. It's like almost a million people. There's no road access, but we're a part of their 
district. We're a subregion of them. But we're trying to become our own region. And to do that, you have to have uh, a group of churches. And uh, today, five years later, we have over 44 churches. Amen? Now, we didn't do all those. These pastors, we're reaping what we're sowing. These pastors are catching the vision, and they're planting churches, and they're going out and planting daughter churches. Matter of fact, 10 of our churches in town have reached out and adopted 10 Shawi villages. Now, Shawi is another in, uh, indigenous unreached people group in our area that you can actually drive to these villages. They're within a couple of hours. So 10 of our churches, they send someone out there every week to evangelize and disciple the, the Shawi people. They're, they're planting churches in 10 different communities. So not only are they uh, doing things there in their local churches and sending missionaries, but they're also planting churches among the, the Shawi uh, Indians. So we're excited about that. You saw the, the buckets we were doing in the video, uh, water filters. We've been doing water filters since I can remember. Uh, we did it in Ecuador, and we continue to do it there in Peru. And a lot of times, um, you know, the gospel, people don't want to hear the gospel. It's true. Not only here in the States, but around the world. They, they, they're, not, they're not sure what you're bringing. They don't want you changing their traditions and their customs. And so a lot of times they, they just shut us off and say, no, you can't come in. But now when we take a project like a water project and say, hey, we'd love to come into your village and, and give you clean water. They're all about that. Come on in. You know, we need clean water. The water we drink is contaminated. So come on in. So we go in the back door with our water filters and uh, we tell them, say, look, if you let us install a water filter in your home, doesn't matter if you're a Christian, doesn't matter if you're, you know, whatever, we'll install this thing. And the only um, requisita, the only uh, requirement is that you allow us to come back and check that filter. You know, you have to let the missionary or the local pastor come back in and check that filter. So we call it backdoor ministry. You know, we go in the back door and, and share Jesus Christ with them and, and it's working. Uh, another thing we do, is we focus on discipleship. Like I said a while ago, we believe that God has called us to make disciples. Not only believers, but to make disciples. So discipleship and training. Uh, we're working on a training center upriver. It's about 14 hours from where we're at. You saw some pictures. Uh, we built the church and then a part of a dorm and the kitchen. And uh, we're praying that God will send enough teams next term to finish that. This training center reaches the Kandoshi. Talked about the Kandoshi Indians. And the uh, Akshwar. The Akshwar, if you guys remember back in the 50s, that the missionaries that got killed by um, Nate St. Jim Elliott, those guys, they were killed by the Akshwar Indians. So they're in that area up around the Ecuadorian border and, and, and south of there. So we're, we built the training center to reach those two tribes because for them to come all the way to Unimogos for training in their small canoes with a pecky pecky motor on it, a little lawnmower motor, it takes them three to five days from their villages. So Allow, by planning the, the training center right there in their territory, they can be there within a day's travel and uh, can learn about, about Jesus. Now, the dorm, you guys saw the two-story dorm. Um, we thought maybe we would build that and it'd be enough room for about 30 men, leaders and pastors that would come in for training. But the Kandoshi don't travel like, like we do in the States. They travel with their wife and their four or five kids and their dog and their chickens and their monkey and everything. So that dorm that you saw that would hold 30 men, uh, grown men like us, will only hold about three or four families. So we had to, we had, we got to revamp and build some dorms with, with rooms so that we can stick a whole family in a room. So uh, we're, we're learning, you know, God's, God's teaching us some things. So to reach the unreached, that's what we're called to do. The training center has been a blessing. We first tried to do a first, our first training there, an orality training. You guys know what orality is? It's, it's chronological Bible story. Now, see, a lot of these people can't read and write, but they can memorize stories. <laughs> when you teach them a Bible story about creation or, or, or about Jesus down on the cross, they can memorize those stories, and they go back and they share those stories with the community, with their people, and people are getting saved. God's doing a thing because of his word. Amen? So we, we planned our first orality conference there, and, and uh, we had a Kandoshi man kill a, a Peruvian and so it shut down all travel. Nobody could get into the village. Nobody could come in. Nobody could leave. Set it up for six months later. You know, things died down. Two days before the conference, it happened again. And it's just the enemy, church. Because the enemy knows uh, that when God's doing something, if he can stop that, it's true. If he can stop that, he can, he can destroy, you know, families and communities. 
But uh, so we kept going. We kept trying again. So we we finally got to do our first orality conference there in our training center. And we were planning for about 25 people, you know, 25 leaders from from different communities would show up. Um, And again, I told you that they travel, they don't travel light. So about 127 people show up for our training. Um, So we had to feed them, uh, house them, and a lot of them slept in the church, you know, during the day, during the night, and we'd take all their bedding down for our training during the day. But one family in particular I want to tell you about, his name is Juan and her name is Luisa. Juan and Luisa, he's a Kandoshi, she's a Awahoon Indian. And they, they started coming to our training and learning about God's Word. And, and, and God began to, I don't know about you, but when you read God's Word, does it change you? Does it change the way you think, the way you live? It should. So, so Juan and Luisa starts reading God's Word and, and listening to these stories and memorizing these stories, and it changes their life. It, 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 it does something inside of them that, that nothing that they've ever experienced through witchcraft or shamanism could do. So here's, here's Juan and Luisa. They're coming down to the training center. We, we have a, a training set up, and, and so they're coming down. Juan has, has been helping us do uh, translations, Bible stories into Kandoshi. So they're coming down on the way down to the training center, and they're coming through these little creeks, and, and they pass this young girl holding a baby, and she's standing on the bank. You know, they don't wave at each other like we do. You know, hey, how you your mom and him? They don't do that. So they just go on past this woman, this lady, and, and as they get probably 100 yards down river, Luisa says, Juan, go back. He says, what? She says, go back. Something inside of me is saying, go back. <laughs> so Juan does like every obedient husband does. He, he obeys. <laughs> he turns that boat around and, and he heads back, not knowing why. He's like, this crazy woman, you know, why she want me to go? So he pulls up there to the, to the bank with this young girl standing holding this baby. And that's a newborn baby. And uh, Luisa says, hey, what are you, what's going on? What are you doing? And she said, I come to the river and throw my baby in the river. And Louisa says, well, what? No, you, you, can't, you can't do that. And she says, why not? She says, I don't want him. My, my, my family doesn't want him, and I don't want him, so I'm throwing him in the river. And Louisa's like, whoa, whoa. She said, for the first time, now this, this girl's from an unreached village. She said, for the first time, she said, I saw lostness like I've never seen it before. She said, here's somebody who's fixing to do something that's, Totally wrong. We know it's wrong, but she doesn't, she doesn't even know it's wrong. You know, we think about, you know, we're being you know, raised here in the States. We, we raise our kids right from wrong. Amen. I can remember my boys. I, I can remember Caleb, and you guys can tell him this when he comes, that I used to, I used to whoop this, chill, this, this, chill, this child from the time he was like 18 months old to like 25, and just the other day I stopped whooping him. <laughs> but, I mean, he was in terrible twos until he was 22, you know? <laughs> So here, here he is. I mean, every day I thought, why are you doing this to me? You know, I, I think because of maybe my childhood, I maybe I lied to my parents or something when I was growing up and I'm raising, paying for my raising now. But here, here, you know, we teach them right from wrong. Stop doing that. That's a lie. You can't say that. That's wrong. This is right. Do this. Amen? We teach our kids that. So we're raising a society to know right from wrong, good and evil. In a community where they've never heard the gospel, never heard right from wrong, they don't know what's wrong. You, you see, when you're working with an unreached people group, not only are you tr- trying to convince them that they need a Savior, but you have to first convince them that they're lost. That, I know it doesn't make sense, and it's hard to understand, but it's true. You know, they don't, they don't understand why they need a Savior. So here this girl is fishing to throw her baby in the river with no remorse. She, she, it's just a baby to her. And Louisa says, you can't do that. Give the baby to me. And Juan's like... <clears throat> We got three boys, <laughs> you know, already. We, don't, we, we can't afford another mouth to feed. You know, think about what you're We don't need a baby. You know, their, their youngest son, Caleb, his name's Caleb, he's like six, six or seven. Incredible kid. I love his kid and dad. We should have swapped. <clears throat> anyway, it's a different story. <laughs> but anyway, you know, here, here he is. One's like, wait a minute. We already have three boys. We can't afford another baby. And it's a boy, <laughs> you know. And Louisa says, you remember some of those stories in that book where it says God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory? It's not about you, Juan. God's going to take care of us. This baby's name is Danielle. And I have a picture on my phone. I'd love to show it to you. Danielle, when, when they got Danielle, Danielle had some, some problems. And they brought him to the, to the training center that, that week. And, 
when he would cry, you couldn't even hear him cry. I mean, he just turned blue, and you couldn't even, you know, like he couldn't breathe. And, and so they took him to the hospital down to Ter uh, San Lorenzo, which is downriver from the training center, about two hours. And uh, they started checking him and said, you know, he needs to go in to Yuri Magos to have a uh, echo, what is it called, echographia, echogram or whatever. And so they checked him, and, and Danielle has a hole in his heart. Sure does. That's a whole heart. It's the reason he couldn't, couldn't breathe and he didn't have good blood circulation. But today, um, I, I got a video just a couple of days ago of we, we finally got baby Danielle to Lima, which is the capital city of, of Peru, and he's awaiting surgery to fix the hole in his heart. Amen? He is doing so good. You know what? We believe, we believe God has a plan for baby Danielle. Who's to say he's not the next Billy Graham of South America? Who knows? But I know that God has a plan. God didn't save this kid for no reason. God has a plan for him, and it's a plan to prosper him and a plan for good. How many of you guys know that the devil has a plan also? It's true. We don't like to think about his plan, do we? But he has a plan. John 10, 10 says he come to kill, steal, and destroy. He, he, he was going to kill baby Daniel, but God had other plans for him. And Juan and Luisa, because of the word of God, because of the training, because of listening to those stories, that changed their life and the way they live, they were able to help save baby Danielle. Amen? Because of the Word of God, changing people's lives, church, discipling one at a time or one family at a time. Um, also, our camp, um, God has laid upon our heart years ago to start a camp. Now, we didn't know what that looked like, um, but we knew that God laid on our heart to build a camp. You know, we need, first thing you need for a camp is land. Um, how many of you guys went to camp when you were a kid? Wow. Did it, did, it, did it help? You know, it, camp was like my correction for all during the year, school year, you know, being, being a bad kid and going to camp, being around Christian kids, you know, that positive peer pressure, it kind of straightened me back up for the next year. Amen? Well, maybe not for you, but, you know. For, for me, camp changed my life. It, it helped me to know what a Christian was supposed to live like. And, and to see kids get in those altars and just cry out to God. And, you know, during camp, we used to take kids to, to camp. And uh, as, as children's pastors, they'd ask in the First Assembly and, and watch kids just pour their hearts out to God. And God would save them and fill them with the Holy Spirit at a young age and call them into ministry. I can remember some of the kids that, that now are in ministry was part of our, our children's group uh, there at Ashland. And, and I thank God for that. So God can use camp to do that. Um, so God laid it on our heart to build a camp, and so the first thing we do is go looking for some land, and we find uh, just outside of Udimagos, there at kilometer 26, where Baling Temple is, uh, we found 88 acres. And so we, we purchased that land with BGMC funds. Come on, children's pastor, we at both. <laughs> BGMC funds is helping us buy that land. Um, and so we can, we can, we're going to start a camp. Now, the camp will be for kids and youth and, and um, pastors retreats, anything that, any kind of ministry. Shall we train them? Because shall we live there close to UD Magua so we can pull them in and do training there at our, at our camp? Um, you saw part of the, one of the buildings there. We, we built the, the first thing we built was a shop, and the shop will be able to build the other buildings out of the shop. Um, just pray for that. We, we're trying to raise, while we're home, maybe $100,000 to kind of kick that off, do phase one. Just electricity from the road to the camp is going to cost us about $35,000, $40,000. Dozer work, I don't know if you know anything about the jungle, but it is jungle, <laughs> you know. So we got to get in there with a dozer and, and flatten out some places to build a camp. So we'll be able to use the camp for ministry. Um, we know and, and know that God's going to use that and send the right people to partner with us to build a place where lives can be changed and souls can be saved for the kingdom. Amen? How many believes that? you believe with me? Maybe? Okay. Talking about uh, kids' ministry, and you know, Carol, um, we, we do VBS. Some of you guys will be doing a little bit of that this, this summer. Um, VBS, we, the first VBS we did there in Udimagos, we had planned, you know, rent a school, and we are going to plan for about uh, 200 kids, you know, and we're getting set up, and the day we go to set up at the school, it's a Catholic school, and they tell us we can't come in because uh, they found out who we were, and, and they're doing maintenance that day. So we had to go and, and set it up in two different churches, and it, it was a mess, you know, trying to keep up with the kids. The other place had one door in, one door out. We thought it's great security-wise. So when, having them in two different locations and renting a, a soccer field, we just 
it, it was it was uh, it was crazy because not only did 200 kids show up, but over 750 kids showed up that day. And uh, so here we are just running around trying to make things happen. And it was great. Had a great day. I mean, kids, man, they heard the story the, about the real Jesus, not just being the son of Mary, but being the Savior, Lord and Savior of the world. Amen? So these kids are learning about that for the first time, a lot of them. They're, they're not, um, some of them are church kids, but anyway. So here we are, we're, we're, we're finishing up, it's 8 o'clock at night, you know, they're, everybody's gone and the teachers are standing around and we're, we're excited, you know, hey, it was a great day, you know, you guys did a good job, and I get a phone call from a lady that says, where's my son? And I'm like, what, um, he's not here? <laughs> well, he's not at my house either. And uh, he's a, how old was he, six years old? A six-year-old boy uh, that she was calling about, and she goes, I said, what? What do he look like? You know, of course, they all, you know, kind of look the same. You know, they, they don't have blonde hair like me. And so I'm thinking about all these little boys that were there. And, and I said, what color clothes did this shirt he have on? And she said, he had on a yellow shirt. So we start looking at pictures. And in those pictures, we see kids like 25 or 30 kids with yellow shirts on. You know, so that's not going to work. So we just start praying, God, help us find this boy. And uh, we start driving around, you know, just asking people, have you seen this kid? Is there a kid at your house? And did he, come, did he go home with uh, the wrong person? And about an hour and a half later, we get a phone call from the mother and said that he just walked in the door. And this kid walked all the way across town from the entrance of, we were out at um, the church, I think you preached at the church there in, in town there, uh, Red and Thor. He walked from there all the way across town, which is about probably three miles to get to his house. Now, he said he just didn't want to be there, and so he went home. And, uh, you know, if that went one of my kids, uh, he wouldn't have been able to sit down for a month. But anyway... <laughs> He was okay, but he didn't get to come back. His mama didn't want to let him come back. The next day, we're all excited, man. We're doing it again. We have all these kids, and we're, we're happy. And I'm telling all the teachers, you better watch these kids, you know, blah, blah, And uh, so we're winding down at the end of the day, and, and there's a little girl looking for her brother. Where's my brother? Where's my brother? Four-year-old. So we lose the second day. We lose a four-year-old. Now, I'm telling you this, confessing. But um, so we, my wife's going, don't tell him these stories. We lose this four-year-old. And I'm like... I have no idea. So we go to the lady's house, take the little girl home, and there's the four-year-old. He had, uh, he had used the bathroom in his clothes and uh, was embarrassed, so he walked home, which wasn't too far. He walked, it was pretty close. So VBS, we, we do that uh, as a way to reach kids there. Mark and Stephanie is doing a great job helping us with kids' ministry. Uh, vacation Bible School is, is one, of our, one of our top things for the kids. Junior Bible Quiz. How many of you guys have ever been in Junior, junior Bible Quiz? Junior Bible Quiz, my wife you know, felt like we needed to start that a couple years ago. Now, we didn't have the buzzers like you have here in the States. We didn't have all those high-tech things. So I had to build all that out of a, a, a temporary switch and an and a, a, a alarm, door alarm and some lights. And we got it all fixed up, and we had our first event, and it was great. you know. So the second year, we saw the interest. So we went ahead and bought the, the high-techy thing that you, know, you can only mash one button. Uh, one light comes on, and everybody's going, hey, mine's not working. But, it, you know, that's exactly how it goes. But we have one kid I want to tell you about. His name is Lisandro. Now, when we met Lisandro, uh, Kara and I, he was at Redentor, before we went to Redentor Church, the pastor calls me one, one afternoon and says, hey, can you come to church tonight? We, we got a situation. They said, uh, there's, the parents have called me and said that their son, like 15-year-old son, is acting out and, and doing some things that just doesn't seem right. And so, you know, I said, Sure. We go to church that Wednesday night, and we're there, and we're waiting, and Lisandro and his family doesn't show up. And come to find out a little later that she said when they, when they told him they were going to take him to church, he went berserk and, you know, went crazy. So they didn't come. Well, that night at church, we, we go home after church, and you ever get the feeling like somebody's following you? Somebody's watching you? So we, you know, I have that, that, that feeling, and so we get home, and, and uh, in, our, in our house, we're getting ready for bed, so we're going to watch a little TV before we go to bed, and I'm sitting with my back against the window, and Carol's sitting facing me on the other couch, and uh, all of a sudden, she says, who? Somebody just walked by the window, and when she said that, I didn't get up, because I knew exactly what it was. Something, I don't know if you, you, you may not believe it, but something, some evil Spirit, demon, whatever, followed us home that night. And uh, we began to pray and, and, and ask God to protect us and watch over us. And sure enough, you know, it, we, we, we felt peace, so we went on to bed. Well, the next, um, 
The next time I saw his son, we had to go to his house and talk to him. And this kid was 15 years old and listening to some, you know, some satanic music and, and doing some things. Like they have these weird games called uh, like the Ouija board or Charlie. So they were playing these kind of things. This kid gets demon possessed. But God delivered him and saved him. And the reason I want to tell you a story because this, this, this year, right before we left, we had the, uh, our big end of our JBQ, the last meeting or competition or whatever. This kid, Lisandro, was our top quizzer. <laughs> Amen. What? I'm telling you. God has turned this kid around, and he, he plays on a worship team. He's the, he was a top quizzer. I took him on his first mission trip upriver to help us uh, at the training center. And now he's enrolled in Lima at the Master's Commission uh, thing, and he's gonna, he feels the call to mission. So, guys, pray for Lisandro. God can do many, many things if we allow him to. Amen? Amen. We're reaching people, guys. We're reaching and discipling one at a time, one person at a time, one family at a time, uh, one community at a time. We can do it, but we can't do it alone. I mean, knows that. We don't want to do it alone. If I had all the money in the world, I still wouldn't want to do it alone. Come on, somebody. We need each other to fulfill the Great Commission. You believe that? We're an answer to prayer. We're, we're an answer to, to Matthew 9, 38. We're an answer to Luke 10, 2, where God says, pray for the labors of the harvest, that send labors in the harvest field. You know what? I still believe, I don't know about you, but I still believe that God is still calling labors in the harvest field. I believe that there's people here in this church today that feel a call to go. Now, you may not feel a call to go across the seas, but you feel a call to go across the street. Share Jesus in your, in your school. Share Jesus in your, at your workplace, at Walmart. But we all call to fulfill the Great Commission. Amen? I believe that there's missionaries in this house today. Oh, amen. Not me. Guys, I'm telling you, you can, you can be scared if you want to. It's okay. I was scared to death. <laughs> I can remember when, like I told you last time, when God called us, man, I can remember the Sunday night services were incredible. The worship was just off the chain. I can remember going, God, don't send me right now. <laughs> Wait. You know, send my friend Robert Holman to don't come to church on Sunday nights. You guys remember that? <laughs> exactly how I prayed. God, send someone else. Let me stay here and just bask in your presence. God's like, no, <laughs> you've got to go. There's people here today, I believe, that, that feel the call to go. The question I want to ask you this morning is, who's willing to go and invest your time to make disciples? Now, when I say invest your time, that's what it is. You have to invest in people to make a disciple. You have to, to be with them and, and live with them. Is it worth laying aside our dreams and our desires to do what the Lord's called us or commanded us to do? It really is. You know, it's worth it. I can tell you one thing. If it was your mother that was lost, or if it was you that was lost, it'd be worth it. Come on, church. It would be. It would be worth it. You know what God asked me or, or you know, the Spirit asked me when, when we started going to talking about going to Peru, and I was like, God, I'm okay right here in Ecuador. He asked me, if, if you don't go, who will? Church, if we don't go, Christians, if we have the truth and we know it, if we don't go, who will? Who's going to tell people about Jesus if we don't go? Somebody's got to tell them. Amen? Somebody. Will you lead people to Jesus? I mean, when people meet you in the, in the workplace... Are, are, are you kind of a secret Christian? Or do they know that you're a Christian? Here or, or there? You know, who's going who's gonna to tell people about Jesus? You know, I, I hope we don't make excuses like, missionary, I, I'm not qualified. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Let me tell you something. I had a list about half a, half a page long that I, I throwed out there to Jesus. Said, I can't do that. I'm, I build fire trucks. <laughs> My son built power lines. Come on, somebody. God can use ordinary people to do extraordinary things for the kingdom. He's just looking for somebody that says, hey, I'll go. Or send me. You know, William Carey was a shoemaker. Wow, he won so many people in China to the, to the, to the kingdom. Y'all remember the story about William Carey? Incredible story. Look that up. It's, you know, the, there was a missionary doctor came back and he was talking to a group of, of people and William Carey was sitting there and this is like in the 1700s. And he says, somebody needs to go. 
and mine those souls out of that, out of that pit. It's, just a, it's like a gold mine, a gold shaft. And he said, there's souls all around the wall. Somebody needs to go and pull those souls out to safety. And William Carey says, I'll go. I'll go. He said, but I can't go by, by myself. I can't go alone. He said, I need all you guys that's going to stay behind to hold the rope as I go down. Church, if you don't go, hold the rope. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I, I'm a missionary, and, I, and I've, you know, sometimes you, you, you kind of get on this little pity party. And you think, I've given up so much, especially when I come home and I see my, my parents are, are aging, you know, and I'm thinking, I'd love to be here with them. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> I'd love to be here with them to help take care of them and, and spend some time with them. I went to the hospital uh, Friday, and a good friend of ours passed away. She was 97. She lived a good life, but she had all her family around her, and I thought, I want to be here for my family. But God says, you've got to go. You, you've got to go and try to pull other families into the kingdom, and I'm okay with that. But sometimes we get to feeling like, you know, God, we've given up so much. But church, let me tell you something. I can do more. I can. You can too. You can give more. I can give more of my time, of my finances, we can all do more for the kingdom. We can, church, we can. We can do more so that others will know the King of kings and Lord of lords. Not just that he's the, the Savior, but he can be the Lord of their life. He's calling people. I know he is. He's calling you and he's calling me to go do more for the kingdom of God. You know what? When we, when we make these excuses like I'm not qualified or... You know, I'm in, when my kids get grown, I'm going to serve the Lord. Or when I, get out of, when I get out of debt, I'm going to give more to the church. Church, let me tell you something. Your kids probably won't ever leave home. <laughs> You'll probably never get out of debt. <laughs> Amen. I bought my son a suitcase when he was 17 years old. I did. Both of them. But you know what? <laughs> When we put price tag on our destiny, the enemy's willing to pay it. It's true. Why not give up our own desires, which is pretty much fleshly anyway. We want more money. We want to have more things. What, I, what I've realized is that when we get more things, we buy, when we get like God blesses us with more money, we want to buy more things for ourselves. It's true, church. I'm telling you, it's true all across the board. God wants to use us, you and I, looking for somebody to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. But if you don't go, I'm not going. I've said it many times, church. I'll say, you know what? I go in this community, but God, you better be there <laughs> because we believe that, you know, it's your finances that get us into those places that buy fuel to get there, but it's your prayers that get us out safely. We believe that with all our heart. Amen. So God, I'll go if you'll go with me. People who lean into him and say, you know what? Without him, it's impossible knowing that he's the one that makes it all happen. People just like you and I. <laughs> People who's willing to say yes to the, the call, to the command. Amen. Can I pray for you? Can we stand? You know, I love that song that Charlotte Elliott wrote. It was a poem at the beginning in 1835 when she wrote the, this, this poem it's because she, she felt inadequate, like she couldn't do anything for the church. She couldn't, she couldn't help out because she was crippled. So she wrote the song, Just As I Am. Is that me? She wrote the poem, Just As I Am. And you know what? When we think about coming to Jesus, a lot of times we want to change. We want to, we want to clean the fish before we catch it. You know, we want to say, well, I want to be saved. I want to come to Christ, but I need to clean up first. <laughs> Not true, church. He wants us just as we are. You believe that? You don't have to change. You don't have to perform. You don't have to do anything. But come to Jesus just as you are. This morning, I'm going to ask you a question. You know what? If you came into this place this morning, you know, expecting to hear Pastor Brian preach a wonderful message, I'm sorry. This is what you got. But you know what? I believe with all my heart that there's people here today that says, you know what, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to slip in the back. Nobody's going to see me. 
then I'm going to walk out just like I went in, unchanged. Church, I believe Jesus come here to change some lives this morning. I believe you're here. He knew that you'd be here this morning. He knew I'd be here before we were even born. So you know what? I want to give you an opportunity this morning to give your life to Christ. If you've never done that before, it's a wonderful thing. But if you have, maybe you're falling away from God. Maybe your relationship with God is just not where it needs to be. I've been there. <laughs> I have. I've been there. I want you to come up this morning and let me pray for you. You come up here and pray and, and ask God to fix that relationship because he will. <laughs> it's not him that's left. The relationship is, is us. And he can fix it. And then, too, the second thing I want to, I, want to, I want to ask you, if there's anyone here this morning that feels a call to missions, it's willing to lay it all down and say, you know what, God, I don't. it's not about me. It's about you. If we really believe we're living in the last days, the Bible says in that, and I think it's in verse 14 of chapter 24, Matthew says, when the, when the gospel is preached all around the world, then he's coming. We can help make that happen, church. <laughs> we can help make that happen around the world. So twofold, salvation or fixing your relationship with Jesus or a call. Maybe a call just to ministry here, here in your local church, at Generation Church. That's okay. <laughs> we need everybody to be a part of the kingdom. Amen. Let's bow our heads. While we're praying, if you, feel, if you feel like you need to come forward and pray, the altars are open. Just please come and let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you that we're all called to do something for you. God, we thank you that we're kingdom people, that you can use ordinary people just like us to do great things for the kingdom of God. God, if there's someone in this place this morning, God, who, who, who's here this morning, their relationship's not, not where it needs to be with you. God, I pray, Lord, for convicting power of the Holy Spirit right now. God, convict our hearts today. And Lord, don't let us leave here like we came. I love that song, Unashamed. <laughs> I'm unashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of him because I used to be ashamed when I lived in the world, the things I was doing. But I'm not ashamed anymore. I'm not ashamed of Jesus and what he's done for me. I want to tell the world, anybody, anybody here this morning who would like to come forward and pray, please do. Don't leave here like you came. If you do, it's your own fault. Jesus is here. be seated for just a moment can be seated just for a moment I want our ushers to come at this at this time we want to do something that's very biblical and that is the local church sends missionaries the local church send how do missionaries get to the field it's the local church that sends them and this morning uh, we're going to take an offering for Ricky now first of all if you're a faith promise you know and you give monthly if you didn't get Get a little payback this morning from hearing what God's doing in Peru just in this couple in a few years. Then there's nothing that I can ever do to show you how important that is. But I was, I'm just thankful for the investment. And I want to say thanks to you. But this offering is going to go 100% to uh, Ricky and Carol. They're home raising their budget. They want to go back. If you're writing a check, just writing to Generations Church. And uh, we'll... Uh, we'll get that to him. You can give it in the offering. Uh, there's a drop box out there if you don't get it written in time. Or you can go online and uh, there's a drop down that says guest missionary. And you can just, whatever you want to do over the next day or so, do it now, do it in the next day or so. 100% uh, of that will go to uh, will go to Ricky. So, uh, and then at the once the ushers get through, worship team's going to sing for a moment. We're going to have Ricky and Carol come, and our teams we're going to pray pray for them today. So uh, they're going to wait on you now. Worship team's going to sing. So, Lord, we thank you. Uh, for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your blessing upon Ricky and Carol. We thank you for the call of God that is upon their life. Lord, we pray, God, that you would use them in a great way. We thank you, Lord, that they surrendered. But, Lord, their heart is for a people that... 
that have a different language, different skin color, Lord, those in that, that Amazon region, Lord, we pray their church planning efforts would be multiplied, the salvation, Lord, the call to to ministry, Lord, that others would feel. Lord, the missionaries that others, uh, the, the missionary call that Peruvians would feel. God, we pray that you would use them in a great way today, Lord. Use them in a great way, Lord. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. Gabrielle, would you pray over Ricky and his family? Father, in the name of Jesus, we damos gracias, Señor, for esta familia, Señor, for los misioneros. Por este hombre que ahora en esta mañana se paró aquí delante, Señor, de esta congregación Para demostrar, Señor, que tu palabra y lo que tú dices que vas a hacer, tú lo haces, Señor Bendice, Señor, esta pareja, este matrimonio, esta familia Dales la fuerza, la fortaleza para que sigan adelante, Dios Repartiendo esa porción de la palabra Regalando Señor esa salvación que es de gratis que viene de ti Padre Bendice su familia y también bendice Señor los lugares a donde ellos se presentan A donde ellos van para que también tú abras el corazón de aquellas personas A quien ellos les quieren llevar el mensaje de ti Señor Te damos gracias Padre te pedimos que bendigas el grupo que va en el verano Para allá también hacer esta otra iglesia Señor Te damos gracias te bendecimos y glorificamos tu nombre en el nombre de Jesús. Amén. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.